morning. Thank you. Somebody's awake. Um, I'm really not sure how this morning's going to go. Uh, as usual, just for a change. Um, yeah, hopefully it's not for a lack of preparation, but I just feel like I've got a couple of stories going through my head and like the scriptures come alive to me, but I'm trying to figure out just how God wants to, to weave it together and hopefully we'll see what he does. Lord, thank you for what you started this morning. Thank you for what you're doing in this community. Thank you for just your relentless pursuit of us, your love for us. Thank you for what you showed us last week of just being empowered by your spirit. Lord, I pray you'd remind us that actually we can do nothing without you. I think in John 15, without me you can do nothing but abide in me. Lord, help us to abide in you. Help us to be just utterly dependent on you, Lord. In our day-to-day life, in our Sunday services, in our parenting, in our husbanding, in our wifing, Lord, as we just learn to be who you've called us to be. What sets us apart is when your spirit goes with us, nothing else, Lord. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the strong man boast in his strength, but let us boast in the fact that you are the God that has revealed yourself to us and we can know you. We can be empowered by you, we can be strengthened by you. Amen. So we're going to go through Ephesians 4, just verses 1 to 16. But for better context, I want to read the prayers. Um, I think I might look down, it sounds very different. Um, Paul prays for the Ephesians. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. Um, Skip the page there. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe, according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ, when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand of the heavenly heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. And He put all things under His feet and gave Him as head over all things to the church, which is His body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. In light of everything he's just prayed, I urge you to live 
a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let me start a timer, otherwise we're going to be here all day. Okay. What is this? Hammer. A hammer. It is not Milner, but we watched... Um, we watched Thor with our kids on Friday night. We were busy working our way through like the Marvel like cinematic universe. And we got to Thor. And I'm like, yeah, the first one. And I was just like, man, this is the perfect analogy for what we're actually talking about. Because we're talking about Ephesians 4. Live a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And for those who don't know, Thor is the son of a god that gets cast down to earth. Like he gets his power stripped away from him, but actually, when he lives a life worthy and he's holding his hammer, he can actually have, in a sense, his powers back. And on on the hammer, it's actually inscribed, "Whosoever what wieldeth the wieldeth the hammer of Thor? What's it? Anyway, something like that. Whosoever wield uh, wieldeth this hammer, basically, if he be worthy, shall wield the power of Thor." So it's basically, it's like, actually, if he is noble enough, if he is honorable enough, that when he holds this hammer, it imbues him with the power to actually be the son of God. And it's like, this is exactly what Paul is saying to us. It's like, you've actually been called to wield the power of God. Therefore, live a life worthy. And I'm watching this with my, like, 10-year-old son and, like, 11-year-old daughter and they get it. It's like the story makes sense. It's like, yeah, he was acting like an arrogant punk when he had his powers. And he's like, he was just going around. It's like, I've got it all. I can defeat anybody. And actually, he was just like, literally just arrogant, getting his entire like, country into trouble. And his dad saying, you're behaving like a prince, not like a king. It's like you're behaving like a spoiled prince who's been given everything. But actually, you need to learn to act like a king. 
You need to act, learn to actually realize your decisions, your actions, has like consequences on those around you. And you go through this whole verse, and it's like, we love saying, no, 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 I just speak the truth. I stand up for the truth. But it says, actually, when you're doing this, you need to be eager to fight for the unity of the church, for the unity of the body. There's one body, one spirit. And if I look at like the church, I mean, we've put up the, the pictures of the church as a whole, the denominations around the world. It's like, we, we can't even get it right to be unified in one small little local church. And yet, we, God wants to unify the church, one body. And yet, we struggle to even just work this out here. And I wish I had like this simple little answer. I'm like, hey, here's, here's how we just do this. And it's like, no, actually it takes humility. It takes gentleness. It takes patience. Like you read the different translations, like the NIV, it says, with complete humility. With complete gentleness. With patience. Be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Are we doing that? Do we do that when we, when we disagree? When we've got like an opinion, it's like, hey, that church doesn't do that right. That church doesn't do that right. Those Christians over there, the, it's like, even if it's outside of our church, but what if it's actually inside of our church? How, how are we doing? It's like we can be quick to actually say, you know what? Tristan did this. Warren did that to me. Warren behaved so immaturely. Barry said things to me that, like, actually, it was just wrong. And I'm, I'm, standing on, I'm standing on my principle. I'm going to speak the truth. The Bible says I'm going to speak the truth. It says, no, speak the truth in love. On the back of having all humility. Humility means that I might be wrong. It's like, I think we come into it and we're so convinced that my way is right. I've, I've had that for a long time. It's like, man, I've got... I feel like God's given me a vision of what church can be like and what we can do. But then we start measuring our view of church against our experience of church. And our experience of church genuinely doesn't like measure up to our ideal of church. But we do that in everything. It's like if you have this idea of what marriage is going to be like, if you get into real marriage, it's like, wow, it's not quite the same. If you have this ideal of this I remember we, we went, Michelle and I went on a date once to like us Rhapsodies and Centurion and we had the best steak. And we, like that was just like, man, they had this, was this rump that was stuffed with like jalapenos and this and it was like, it was just perfect. Went back and had it a couple of years later. It's like, wow, that really was not great. <laughs> Their standard must have been terrible. And I'm just like, no, the reality is like because of how our memory work and because of our ideas work, it's like ne nothing is going to live up to that ideal. Because that ideal steak was just, it was the first time Michelle had had like, she tried a medium like steak. So she was just like blown away by it. Just like steak the way, like at least medium, medium rare, how it should be compared to well done. It's like, it's the first time you, you risked into that. Like, yeah. if you like your steak well done, you're allowed to be wrong. I'll have complete patience and <laughs> hopefully humility about it. It's, 
I'll endure that. But if you understand the difference, it's like it's, it's, it's juicy and it's, oh man. But you go back years later, it's like it doesn't measure up to that. Because the problem is like we can build up an ideal in our mind that the reality sometimes it just doesn't live up to. And the danger is doing that in church, that in a consumeristic world where we are told repeatedly to go and find what's right for you. And if what they're serving you up here is not right, just go find it somewhere else. It's like your cell phone service provider is not giving you what you need. Well, cancel it and go somewhere else. Consumer Protection Act, you've got 30 days. You tell them, like, you're not delivering, I can go. I think we've transplanted that onto churches. It's like, my Church Protection Act, it's like, you're not giving me what I need, so I'm going. And, but we can use this to, to beat people over their heads as well. It's, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just saying, I think the culture is forcing us to think one way, trying to force us to think one way. You can see an example, go watch the latest Barbie movie. <laughs> no, I, I, I had to go watch it so that I could actually talk about it. <laughs> and I think it, if, you, if you look at it, it exposes just a deep-seated like, confusion in our age. Because the conclusion of the movie is... Go and figure out who you are on your own, isolated from everybody else. And you have to figure it out. Both men and women, like, isolate yourself from each other. Don't get your identity from your community. Don't get your identity from your relationship. Don't get your identity from those that are dependent on you, those that have gone before you. You yourself go and figure out what you are called to and express that. They're trying in their best of intentions to try and like, cultivate like, a sense of purpose and meaning and encourage people to that. But I think it's stripped of any like, expectation of being a part of a healthy community, of laying my life down for those around me. And that's it's almost like the opposite of what Thor has to learn. Because his whole thing is it's like, actually, I've got it all together. I can fix any and every problem. And... For him to learn to be worthy is actually, I need to lay down my life for everybody else. And I will sacrifice myself because it's not about me. It's actually, what can I do for the good of everybody else? Let's get back to the Bible though. Okay. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Paul, at this stage, is literally in prison. Prison. And he defines like, actually, you know what? My situation is not about me. I am a prisoner. But I'm not just a prisoner. I'm a prisoner for the Lord. He he defines his entire situation that he finds himself in now as something for the Lord. I'm a prisoner for the Lord. What if you're, I'm a husband for the Lord. I'm a wife for the Lord. I'm a mother for the Lord. I'm single for the Lord. I'm an employee for the Lord. I'm a boss for the Lord. And it, it just changes our entire perspective. It's not about you. It's actually, it is about you. It's God's called you to be in that situation. And how do you connect that to what God is doing? I'm a prisoner for the Lord because I went and I'm going to speak out for him. And then because of that, there's 
constrictions that are placed on me, but those constrictions allow you to play a role in your situation. I'm a father. I'm a mother. I'm a husband. I'm a wife. I'm for the Lord. And God, you show me how I'm supposed to live this life. And then walk in a manner worthy. The, The illustration just becomes walking. It's like, you can look at the posture in Ephesians where he actually says, I kneel before the Father. I'm like, I'm kneeling and I'm praying. But then when he starts saying, like, actually get busy, he starts walking. And there's an encouragement for us to actually walk this life out. Becomes this metaphor of actually one step at a time, we walk with God. He doesn't say run. He doesn't say you have to like go and run this like intense thing straight away. He actually says, learn to start walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. Okay. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. It means we have to bear with one another. Because when we disagree, relationally, it's, it, it takes strain. We're going to have friends that are going to take two steps forward and then one step back. Well, then two steps back. And we're going to disagree and we're going to wrestle and we're going to have differences of opinion. And we're going to have, like, have a disagreements on how to work it out and how to do singing and how to do the worship and how to, which, what music to play and how often we get together and you're not doing enough and we're not getting to meet often enough and you're not teaching me enough and you, you're not the friend I need. Why are you so caught up with your stuff? Why are you... All of that's just wrestling with how do we actually do this? How do we do community? How do we do church? How do we glorify God in and through our relationships? But it says bear with one another. We learn to actually carry each other's load. We're eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. I was going through this verse and like, I think we can go through it quickly and it's like, yeah, there's one body, one Spirit. It's like, no, there's one body. One body. I think we look at it and it's like, okay, I can easily apply this to our church. It's like, hey, we need to be unified. But actually, if we're one body, that's every believer that's in Jesus is a part of our body. And at least learning to have that as a category to say, like, actually, every church, every Christian across Pretoria is a part of my body. And actually, I'm hurting when they're hurting. And I'm, man, I'm grieved that they're actually not fulfilling, like, the fullness of our potential and that doesn't need to, like, okay, until we get everything right, then we can't do anything. It's actually, we look at that and then we say, how do we live this out wholeheartedly as a part of our body? So we look at, like, actually, that's what it could look like. Let's implement it here first and foremost so that we can apply it in a bigger picture. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your calling, we were called to one hope. Our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in what He is going to do in and through us, in and through the church. We don't have a hope for our own personal like, experience. Our hope is in Christ. We have one hope together. That's our ultimate hope. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Just love that picture of we, we were praying for the Spirit to pour out. And it's like actually God is over everything. And He sent His Spirit to be 
over all and through all and in all and empowering us. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Each and every one of you has been given a gift. You've been given a measure of grace according to like Christ's decision. He's given you gifting that the rest of us don't have. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts, into the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might uh, fill all things. A picture of like Thor being cast down to earth. It's like, many people laugh at me that it's like, ah, you you like these sci-fi things. It's like, it's, it's just silly made up nonsense. I'm like, no, it gives you fictional illustrations to understand like bigger picture and bigger stories. So if you contrast the picture of Thor is this God because of his arrogance gets cast down without his powers to actually learn how to save people. We have a God and a son of God who willingly gave up his power to come and identify with us so that he could actually understand, so that he could be raised up above the heavens, so that he might fill all things. He actually says, I need to go away so that I could send the Spirit. That's what he's saying here. He's like, actually, he had to come and descend so that he could identify with us, so that he could take our place, so that he could ascend again into heaven, so that he could fill all things with the Spirit, so that we could be empowered to actually live a life worthy of this calling and take it out and actually walk it out. And he gave, this is where I disagree with this translation. Certain other translations will say, and he gave some to be the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the, of the body of Christ. Often you can read that as like, oh, God gave these amazing gifts. He said, no, he gave some of them to be those gifts. He gave each and every one of us a gift according to his grace. Each and every one of you has been given a gift to play your part in building up the body of Christ. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, they're just supposed to equip you. If I give that to Barry, I'm not doing the work. I'm equipping Barry to do the work. It says all of these were given to equip the saints for the work of ministry which is building up the body of Christ. It's not the most gifted people, the, the shiny whatever. It's like, I think we've got an illust- like a picture of church where it's like that. Okay, those select few, they'll do the work of church. And I just need to attend. Unfortunately, that's not what this says. This says each and every one of us was given a gift. Each and every one of us has to play our part in building up the body of Christ. Until we attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He actually wants us to walk this out until we grow into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. 
as a body, we want to learn how to actually embody the nature of Christ so much that we represent Christ to the world. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves. The waves is like a picture in Warren's favorite book in James. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials and tribulations, basically. When you encounter challenges, this whole thing is actually saying we're supposed to grow up to such an extent that the waves, the challenges of life, the whatever comes and hits us, doesn't shake us. And then, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. There are many people out there, teachers, unfortunately churches, other people that claim to represent God and are trying to represent God to the best of their ability, but I believe get sucked into convincing people for their own benefit that this is what you need to believe. And we are called to actually grow up to the point where it's actually when we identify that, it's like, no, that is contrary to the way of Christ. That person is sowing division. That person is actually trying to use this for their own benefit. Not using it to actually grow you up and train you up, but it's actually saying, you need to trust me. You don't understand to the level that I, I do. You need my gift. It's like, no, God says you are empowered, you are strengthened, you have been given a gift that we are without, like, we are lacking if you don't add your gift. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. Speaking the truth in love. To do that sometimes is challenging. Because the truth is sometimes confrontational, or often confrontational. But there's something about the truth that we recognize there's a beauty there. Whether you approach it from a completely scientific perspective, scientists are looking for the truth. They try and reason their way to understand it. They do like experiments, they try and... So there's actually a truth that scientists are trying to pursue. But then there's a truth that's revealed in like religion, and we can understand that actually... We, this has been told us, this is, this is what we believe, this is what's right. It's been revealed that this is the truth. But then there's a truth that like poetry and music represents. That it's like, hey, I, I might not be able to explain it completely, but there's a truth that connects with us deeper than what we understand. And I think unless we see that there's different ways of like approaching truth, we can often disagree from completely different like foundations. It's like we come in and a scientist is saying, no, 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 I hold truth dear because I can do this and I can prove to you. And then a poet is coming and saying, yeah, but like, and you, you talk past each other. And it might be like theoretical, but I think we do the same thing in our relationships where we approach truth in a different way. Once again, I use uh, marriage as an example. Um, where you can have a disagreement and one of you may be coming with logic and reason and this is why we need to do this. And then your spouse is actually saying, no, but I, I don't feel it's right. No, but why not? Where, wh what's your logic? What's your reasoning? What's your... And it's like, actually, I just don't feel it's right. 
and that feeling may be approaching a truth without the necessary like supported evidence. But when we speak like the truth in a community of love and an environment of love, we can actually bear with each other with all humility come and say, I, I, I think this is right, but let me hear what you are saying. Let me hear why you are cautious about it. With all like gentleness saying, like, actually, I, I, I want to win this relationship. I don't want to just prove that I'm right. How do we find a truth that we both agree on and we can both pursue together? And if we don't agree, hey, with all patience, we can actually wait. Because God is taking us into a complete and perfect unity. So we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That every joint is actually like every ligament. There's, there's a part, and I was reminded of my last soccer game. <laughs> it was great. Corbus uh, was there, I think. And we played and we played and we were having a lot of fun. And then somebody decided to run through me. It's like they, they thought they could. It wasn't Tristan. Tristan... <laughs> I'm not sure if Tristan was even on my side at that stage, but he was definitely part of our team. But they managed to run through me, stepped on my foot, and then managed to go over me. So we heard a nice big crack, and my ligament had gone. So I went, went off, and I like hobbled off. We didn't have too many substitutes, so I'm like, no, 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 I want to go back on and I can play. I feel fine. So I like hobbled back on literally one kick of the ball. I'm like, ah, I cannot do this. Like, my ligament was literally off. And I just realized how one little piece of our body not working as it should meant that I could not walk. I could not run. I could not play. It meant that I had to be on crutches for weeks. I had to go through rehabilitation. I I literally haven't played a soccer game since then. And that's what God is saying to each and every one of us. That it's not about just those people or those people or the people that are the most vocal or the people that have a public gift or the person that can play guitar. It's actually each and every one of us has the responsibility of building up the body of Christ. Each and every one of us. Every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I think we look at it and say, like, actually, if we can get certain gifts operating properly, then we'll be fine. If those people just do their job, and I was struck by this, it's like, until we have a church that everybody sees what we are called to, we are called to the same hope. We are one body, one spirit, called to one hope. There is one Lord. One faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all, through all, and in all. He wants to actually empower us. He wants you to realize, like, do you realize what you have been called to? 
live a life worthy of the call that you have been called to. That's why Paul falls on his knees and he says, I want to thank my God for you. I've heard of your faith. I've heard of how you're walking with God and asking him to speak to you and show you what the word means and asking of how you can implement it in your life. I pray that God would just pour out his spirit of wisdom and of revelation that you may understand the length and the breadth and the height and the depth of Jesus' love for you. How according to just his nature, he has poured out gifts upon you. And he is showing you how to implement those. How to use your personality with your spiritual gift and your ability. But all of them flow through love. And you learn to share that with each other. And learn to speak the truth in love. With complete humility. Humility means that we could be wrong. Humility means that we trust God over our ideas. Humility means that actually with meekness we say, it's like if I can't win this fight, God, you fight my battles. With perfect gentleness, we actually speak to each other. With patience, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Bearing one another's burdens. Lord, I pray that you'd show us how to, to live these lives. How to walk worthy of this calling. might seem theoretical on a Sunday to, to, to talk about this, but Lord, help us to implement this as prisoners for the Lord, as husbands for the Lord, as wives for the Lord, as just men and women for the Lord, whether we are married or single or parents or not. Lord, I pray that you'd show us how to be who we are called to be for the Lord. I'm going to take communion now, Lord. Um, Until we attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, God wants us to grow up into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ as a body, as individuals, to understand who Christ is, what He has done for us, how He laid down His own desires, His own will, His own power for our benefit. Lord, You teach us how to do that. Thank You for Your body. Thank You for Your blood. Thank You for Your example. Thank You for Your sacrifice. Oh Lord, thank You for community like this. Thank you for church. Thank you for showing us a, a different expression of church, Lord, where we can appreciate the kids running in and out of here and sometimes distracting, but then at the same time there's the beauty of Chanel playing a part in this meeting, Lord. It's a picture of how each and every person can just find one area where they can be used of God to help facilitate what you are doing in lives. Lord, I pray that you'd show each and every one of us how we can do that on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on just adding to what you are doing in, this, in these meetings and outside of the meeting, Lord. 
that you would show us how we can walk worthy of the calling, how we can add ourselves to what you are doing, how we can just learn to grow up into the fullness of what you have for us, Lord. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for each and every person here, each and every person that couldn't make it this morning. Lord, I pray that you would you just be with them. You'd watch over them as they, they go from here, as they go into their weeks, Lord. I pray that you would help them to meet with you on a daily basis. I pray that their prayer lives would just explode, Lord, where we would learn to connect with you on an individual basis. And those that can't would, would put their hands up and say, help they would find somebody alongside them, that they would learn to study your word and love your word like never before. They would find you in your word, that they would learn to journey with you, Lord. I pray that you would continue to just turn our cups over. You'd bring healing and you'd start filling us up so that it would be full to overflowing, Lord. You are growing us up, you're stretching us. Sometimes there's growing pains. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us to push through that pain, to actually step into the fullness of what you have for us. Amen.